This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas. Live on a Tuesday, the day after Monday. So it's the Monday night football aftermath. Live on 225 stations on Fox Sports Radio's network across this great, great nation. And I got to tell you, we'll see when it improves or changes. But this, this is almost like, did you ever have a dream? Almost everyone does where you're asleep at night. And you've got this dream that somehow you're supposed to go to a test, like especially when you're in school or soon after you're in school. And all of a sudden you realize, I didn't study this. Like in the dream, it was like the worst thing you ever did when it came to neglecting your schoolwork or whatever. And then you're in this test that has high stakes and you are not prepared. And there's just this this dread. And then you wake up and go, ah, oh, thank God, thank God that I don't have to take that test and get an F because I was not prepared. Well, you know, I've always, you know, my wife says, don't ever, you know, when I used to be kind of nervous and I'd be doing, you know, let's say the first time I did Sports Center or whatever years ago, she goes, listen, if there's one thing you can do, it's talk. Don't worry about it, just talk. And it's like, okay. And that kind of relaxed me a little bit. But I never, ever had the confidence, not even confidence. I never thought I was inclined to do like a solo show. Like uh, Colin here in FSR, amazing. Of all the talents he has, the thing that blows my mind the most is, you know, for the most part, big chunks of time, he's talking to himself. And to me, that's an amazing skill. Um, it's not one that I ever thought, you know, I should really try that. I always have liked having conversations. Well, at least for a little while, we have a technical difficulty. So AJ is not available. So you're going to get the unvarnished RJ solo. Luckily, I'm very prepared for this. And let's start with what happened last night, but specifically not that Miami won the game, not that they've won seven in a row, but what exactly did we see last night? Meaning what was the level of competition? Meaning were the Saints really competitive? If that game was played again, what's the chance the Saints win that game? And I would make the case that the chances of the Saints winning were low very low, and that it was predetermined by COVID. That literally this was, you know, in the NBA, they talk about uh, a scheduled loss where it's a back-to-back, you're on the sixth game of a West Coast road trip, and it's just like the schedule makes it very difficult to not lose. You know, it makes it difficult to win. It felt like the Saints really didn't have a chance. And in a weird way, that diminishes... Miami's victory. And I don't know if that's really debatable. I mean, the, the other side of it would be, oh, no, that was competitive. No, Ian Book, he's fine. 
Yeah, he's he's a you know fourth string quarterback. Yeah, I didn't know there were fourth string quarterbacks. I didn't realize that. But I know Denver last year had to go to the fourth quarterback, and it wasn't a quarterback. Now was Ian Book much better? I don't know, maybe a little, but it felt like that one position group dictated the game. And the NFL says or has said, listen, it's about competition. We want these games to be, you know, fair competition. Was that fair for the Saints, who were and are to some degree still in the playoff hunt? But chances are that loss will keep them out of the playoffs. And I think it's possible that that's true. And it's also possible that it's the best we can do. By pointing this out, I'm not saying that there's a better way. I'm not saying the NFL should do something different. What I'm certainly not saying, and I'm not saying, is they should cancel the games until the level, the playing field is 100% level. Because this is, and this is what we got to be honest with ourselves about, this is a business first. The NFL is a billion, billion dollar business and it's a business first, and it's a sport second. And anyone, now they don't want that said, they don't want that to be the perception, but every decision they make backs that up. And I don't blame them when there's billions at stake. It'd be kind of, I don't know, it'd be very naive to think, that owners are going to say, yeah, you know, 50 million each of us are going to get hurt by this, but it will make the competition better. Yeah, go ahead. Take 50 out of my pocket. I don't see that. And I don't even expect that. But as fans, we have to admit this, admit it to ourselves. And to me, when I looked at last night's game, it felt like that the money dictated the money won the dolphins won but the money also won because let me pose this question to you if this game were a sunday game one o'clock eastern start does it get postponed because what game of the multiple games that got postponed last week for competitive purposes was this game affected less than those games Maybe the raw number of players were less, but most certainly the effect wasn't less. And thus, why wasn't this game postponed? I can speculate because it was the Monday night game. And if they would have postponed that, it would have cost tens of millions of dollars of effect because now you got the empty block of time Monday night. And there's no chance to make that up on Tuesday. It's not the same thing. That's why the Monday night game can't even be flexed. The Monday night game, there's a reason it can't be flexed. Because, hey, it's a standalone game on a separate day. So to ask a team even a month ahead to say, you know, you thought you were playing on Sunday. Now you are playing on Monday. And, hey, Monday people, you're playing on Sunday. They can't do it. Tickets, travel plans. Sunday night flexes because it's the same day. It's a couple hours of movement. So for us to say, oh, no, there was no consideration of that when they decided not to postpone the game for a day or two, 
I think that is childish. But at the same time, I don't blame the NFL. I'm not sure if there's a better way to go about it. And those two things can be the case at once. You can both say, this isn't what we wish it were. This isn't sport first, money second. I wish it was, but it's not. And then at the same time, we can say, but you know what? I don't blame them. I mean, it's easy to tell someone else to give up money. It's easy to tell someone else how to be perfect. Physician heal thyself, as they say, is most people aren't perfect. In fact, no one is. And most people are far from it. It's not even about being perfect. It's about being far from it. And it's easier to point at others and tell them how to be. And it's easy to point at the rich NFL. But I think it's fair to say I wish it were different. But also I accept and see that anything else would be too much to ask. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. I'm living that <laughs> that dream situation. Well, the dream a little bit, but also the nightmare of, hey, let me try. Let, let me see how it would work. A.J., what did you think of that? Oh, look, A.J.'s not there. But you know what? We're fine with that. Now, A.J. had a big take here, and I'm going to save it for him because I think we should be set by the next segment. But he has a take on Tua that is um, strong. Let's just say he's not a hot take guy. This one you could perceive as hot. We'll set that aside for a second and ask the following question. How good are the Dolphins? We know last night doesn't tell us a lot, but 7-0 and now, seven straight wins. How much does that tell us? Well, I think it tells us a good bit. I mean, one, all you got to do is look at the line for next week. Vegas tells the story, always. And Miami's at Tennessee. Now, Tennessee is competitive for the number one seed. They're, you know, they're playing, in theory, they're playing hard. In fact, I think they, they played hard the whole year. Let's give them credit. A.J. Brown coming back last week was a big thing, big positive impact for Tennessee. They beat San Francisco, one of the hottest teams in the league. So what do you think Miami at Tennessee should be? All right. The line is Miami's plus three and a half, only a three and a half point underdog. So what they're saying is Miami is a lesser team than Tennessee, but only by a little bit. So at this point, Miami's getting a lot of respect from Vegas. And they do control, you know, right now if the playoffs started today, they're in and they're the only team in NFL history that's had, you know, started out 1 and uh, 7, I think it was, and then now it's won 7 straight. It's just like this is very unlikely. I mean, you just don't see a team one of the wor- I mean, literally think if the draft were held today, Miami, at their worst point, was a top-five draft pick. And now they're in the playoffs. So that sounds like that's as hot as any team's ever been. But all you got to do is look at the teams they've played and say, well, maybe not. And that's where the question comes in, and that's where it gets interesting. When a team is obviously good, what do you say about it? Oh, they're good. And if a team's obviously bad, oh, they're bad. Well, what about if they've won seven in a row, but – there's only one really impressive win in there against Baltimore, which in hindsight, 
was that maybe the beginning of us seeing Baltimore's limitations. Maybe even that wasn't as impressive. But if we dig into the stats, and we'll take our first break, and when we come back, we're going to look at the stats and really ask ourselves, forget the subjectivity, forget the you know, human element. If you look at the numbers, how good is Miami? And also we'll look at the Vegas perspective. What are their Super Bowl odds? All right, that's when we come back. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Back in a few. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And through the magic of the telephone, we should have Mr. A.J. Hoffman with us. A.J., how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, R.J. Gotta love technology. You don't sound near as good as me, though. And I like that. I like having every edge. Remember in the outlaw Josie Wales, Eastwood would always want a gunfight with the sun in the other guy's eyes. Every little edge, AJ. Don't forget that. That's what you're going to learn from this experience. Well, it's a, a good learning experience. I've known that about you. I didn't know that. I, I thought on the radio you'd want us to be. We'd want us to both succeed, be a team. No, I want you to succeed, but I want to succeed more. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's just true, you know. I could lie. All right. So I teased ahead, and we're going to be talking about the fact that, well. You've got a hot take. I mean, you can act like it's not a hot take, but you've got a hot take. And I love it. First, though, let's start with the question that we ended the last segment with, which was how good are the Dolphins? When teams win seven straight games in the NFL, they're usually sure playoff teams. In fact, for tomorrow's show, I'm going to research how many times has an NFL team won seven straight games during the regular season and not make the playoffs. Because the Dolphins are underdogs to make the playoffs, even though they control their own destiny. If the Dolphins win the next two games, that will be nine straight games, and they will make the playoffs. But if they lose one, chances are they don't make the playoffs. And they're underdogs this week. Against Tennessee, three-and-a-half-point dogs, which is a lot of respect, but still underdogs. And then hosting New England, they will be underdogs most likely, almost certainly. So it's kind of a tough reward. Hey, win seven straight, and then you've got to win two games as underdogs, and then you'll get in the playoffs. But if you go eight and one, good, good try, but not quite there. What do you yeah, think of that? It, it means they should have gone one and six instead of one and seven to start the season. They wouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah, you're, you know, it really is a good point, which is the idea that when things are at their worst and things almost seem meaningless, it's like, what's the difference? That occasionally it does matter. And I still think that when the book is written on Tom Brady, that his intensity, his focus, him not having any moment of, well, what's the difference? What does it matter against Atlanta in the Super Bowl? All it would have taken is one turnover, one, you know, pick six, obviously, one anything really that was bad 
for Brady just to, just to have a moment of lost hope of it doesn't matter, and they don't come back there, no matter how well they play the rest of the time. But he didn't do that. And to me, that's one of the great lessons in the history of sports is sometimes when it seems like it doesn't matter anymore, it does. And, and, and the funny thing is, I think another example of that, AJ, is the Giants against that same New England team, not the same year, when the Patriots were undefeated playing their 16th yeah. game against the Giants, and the Giants literally were locked in their playoff spot. There was no variation. And the Giants played their maybe best game of the year and almost beat the 15-0 and Patriots. And I strongly believe if it wasn't for that performance, if they had lost 28-7 to because they played their backups. And remember, they were a wild card team. And they were playing the next week. But they played hard for history. And I think that's what won them the Super Bowl. What do you think? I agree with that. And I, and I think to bring it back to these Dolphins, when they were 1-6 and six and they'd had back-to-back losses to the Jags and the Falcons, I don't think anyone thought, well, if they can just beat the Bills, they'll still be in the mix at the end of this season. You know, if they just if, if they stop the losing streak there, no, nobody was thinking that way because you're right. Like, how, it, how insane would that be if if if, if after like the uh, you know one and six uh, that that six loss, you know, Coach Flores comes out and says, yeah, he goes, I think if we would have won that one, our odds would be better than fifty percent for us to make the playoffs. <laughs> but now I think it's right about fifty. How crazy would have that been? It's unreal to think about, but that's what they've turned themselves into. And I do think that there is, and you asked this question, you know, coming into the into this segment, how good are the Dolphins? I do think that there is, there should be some temperament of, of what we really think about these Dolphins because the defense. I mean, listen, let's get something straight. To say don't be crazy extreme is not saying anything. All right, so let, let, let's agree. Let's not dismiss the seven wins as if they're nothing, but let's not act like they're everything. Correct. Obviously. Now let's get into the meat of the conversation. How good are the Dolphins? Now let's look at the numbers. DVOA, Football Outsiders, which measures strength of schedule. It measures everything. Ninth best team in football, the Miami Dolphins, uh, during this streak. So if you just look at these seven games, and, and again, that is uh, cherry-picking, no doubt, but ninth best team. Now, if you win seven straight games and you're only the ninth best team, that means there's a lot of teams ahead of you that lost some games. Obviously, you haven't been amazingly impressive, but still winning seven straight games in itself is impressive. If you look at EPA, expected points added, one of the favorites of the analytics crowd during the same streak 15th best offense but the very best defense Miami Dolphins during their win streak the very best defense by EPA now keep in mind EPA does not account for strength of schedule so now you have to even get down from there a little bit so but if you just take an average between 15th and first well that's eighth and you're a couple points worse or slots worse than that because the strength of schedule was weak, eh, you're probably somewhere around 9 or 10. So it seems like consensus opinion is, by the analytics, is the Dolphins, even during this win streak, are not one of the top teams, 
not amongst the best, but they're certainly a playoff-worthy team, at least during their big win streak. You've got, I think, a, a, a very telling point. It's easy to say, oh, strength of schedule. But when you listen to this, it really hits home how weak the schedule's been. Yeah, it's not just about the teams they face, but you mentioned that EPA being number one for their defense. These are the quarterbacks that they've faced during their seven-game win streak. Tyrod Taylor, who's now benched. Lamar Jackson, who's having the worst year of his career. Zach Wilson, who is dead last in QBR. Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Mike Glennon, and Ian Book. I mean, it is a murderer's row of terrible quarterbacks that they've run into. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing we got to get straight, though. Tyrod Taylor, let's say he's the 35th best quarterback in the NFL, and I think that's fair. That might even be bad. I mean, he might be a little better than that. Okay, and then you think about an Ian Book. Ian Book might be the 80th best quarterback or the 100th best quarterback. I mean, he was a four-stringer. So if you do the math, four times 30 is 120. You know, he might be somewhere in the 100 in teens. So as much as none of them are good, though I would make a case on Lamar. Let's set Lamar aside for a second. Other than that, the ace is bad and really bad. But let's not mistake the difference. But Mike Lennon is really bad. Book is really, really bad. So I guess there's three categories. But – a guy like Cam is still about 35th bat. You know, is Cam really – Cam's a good backup quarterback at this point. So as much as it's kind of absurd that the, the, the debate is, well, Tyrod's 35th. That's not so bad. There is a huge difference between a Tyrod and a Cam. Then there, and then Glennon is clearly 20 or 30 spots below them. And then Book is in another universe. Yeah, I think Lamar Jackson, like you keep saying, you know, outside the top 30, I think Lamar Jackson is the only starting caliber quarterback that they've faced over that seven-game streak. I think, I, I think that's fair. I think Tyrod Taylor, Cam, Cam Newton, these are guys who would be quality backups. Zach Wilson might be a quality backup, but as a starting quarterback, these are, just, these are not one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league outside of Lamar Jackson. And obviously, Zach Wilson – his career is not yet decided because Trevor Lawrence, the savior would also be bad on this list. Doesn't mean that they can't potentially turn it around. And, and the first year for rookies really, or for quarterbacks is the least predictive. The second year is extremely predictive. So if you have a quarterback that uh, let's just say for the sake of argument, Trevor Lawrence has about the 20th best year next year, based on the analytics, that would be very encouraging. And you could say from there you could see him making a jump that into a, a, an elite category even. That's what you could make the case Josh Allen had. He didn't have a rookie year as bad as these guys. So in a way, it's different. But his second year was a little better, and then his third year was the jump you saw. And now he's in his fourth year. And his third year was a great year. Now, a lot, my point would be with these rookie quarterbacks, and then we'll swing back. Well, I guess in a way it segues into Tua it, now in his second year is you see rookies struggle in their first year and then take a step and then take a leap in year three, but you rarely, rarely 
maybe hardly ever see a really bad first year and then them get to be elite. And try, I would make the following case. Find me an elite. Look at the elite quarterbacks as you rank them now. And let's call the top dozen elite. And tell me who had the, the worst rookie season in that crowd. Now, the debate is going to be, well, with Mahomes, he only played one game, like 17th or the 17th week, so his rookie year. So do we count his second year, which was an MVP Super Bowl winning year, his first or his second year? Yeah, I, it's an interesting debate. Obviously, sitting and waiting a year helps you. But how much? If it helped more, you think these people would be waiting, right? So... Uh, I don't think it I, – I think in general we have to set – because Mahomes is like the only one in the elite, elite group that didn't play his first year. Would you agree with that just on reflection, AJ? Well, Aaron Rodgers didn't play okay, his Okay, which again, he's almost a different era, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been 20 years since he's been – so, in a, you know, 8, 19 years. So, yeah, uh, no doubt. But in a and weird way – And then Lamar Jackson as well, if you consider well, him in the elite. Oh, well, he played like a whole half season and played a playoff game. Yes. Yeah, so he played his you know first year. I mean, ten games is ten games. So, but Lamar was not horrible. No, you know, I mean, he wasn't good, but he wasn't horrible his first year. And my case would be, no one has been in the elite group currently. No one has been as bad as Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, if he enters the top twelve at any point, will have the worst rookie year that any of the top 12 has had, assuming it's the same top 12. Now, if Zach Wilson enters at the same time, it'll be the two worst. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't in either case. But I did hear, I mean, now that we're on Trevor Lawrence, we got to spend a minute on it. <laughs> I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Did you take any notes there, A.J.? I did. I'm learning. I'm learning from the master. Well, uh, you know, I'm just saying there might be a little bit you can do with yours, but okay. <laughs> I, I think looking back at looking at that group now, the, I think the worst of the of the top twelve quarterbacks now, the worst rookie season may have been Matt Stafford, and he was nowhere near as bad as these two guys are. Well, he threw twenty interceptions, and he was still worlds better than them. Yeah, I mean, tw- inter- listen, Joe Burrow has, or at least was tied for the lead for the most interceptions entering last week. And Joe Burrow was ranked number one by PFF. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it's Stone Age stuff to look at interceptions as the, the only thing. Now, obviously, interceptions are very important, but it's one piece of a big puzzle, right? So, But there wasn't even QBR when Stafford was a rookie, right? It, yeah, there was. 37.1 his rookie year's QBR. So where did he rank? Uh, I'd have to pull that up. Yeah, just uh, take again. I'm interested. So as we double back here... I think that we can agree the Dolphins have had uh, a very easy run of opponents. But there's still seven NFL teams. And listen, we just saw the Chargers lose to the Texans. We just saw not that long ago the Jags beat the Bills. We've seen Arizona lose to the Lions. Think about that. That's three times in, in the last, what, six weeks, eight weeks? That there's been massive upsets. So for the Dolphins, any team that beat the Dolphins would have been less of an upset than any of those. So let's give the Dolphins credit for the seven straight wins. Now, 
AJ's got that hot take that's been percolating. Now, AJ, here's where typically you would throw to trending, but I want to do it as a team. I'm going to say, no, you know, I think we should do it our normal way. What do you think? You, you that's for fine that? with me. That's All fine right. with me. Okay, so Dolphins, I think we can agree, are a playoff caliber team on the fringe. Seven straight wins is impressive. They control their own destiny. Three and a half point underdogs at Tennessee. Still, though, only 100 to one to win the Super Bowl. Now, AJ, it's hot take time for you. Tua, a lot of debates about Tua. You've got a strong statement about Tua. I think that I, I think that Tua is of all the quarterbacks in the league has exceeded expectations more than anyone. What we thought Tua would be coming into the season, and let's face it, there was a lot of people who thought that Jacoby Brissett was the better quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. I think Tua has exceeded expectations more than any other quarterback in the league from the preseason. Wow. So it's funny. It's almost, I don't know, Happy Days has been a long time ago now, but when I was a little kid, I used to watch it in syndication, and the Fonz couldn't say liver. He hated liver so bad. He was scared of liver, like the food. He would say liver because he hated to admit his weakness. You had a hot take, and it took you like seven seconds to start. You went, um, I think maybe perhaps. Say it proud, baby. Tua has exceeded expectations beyond any other. Qu- I don't care. Name any Tom Brady, whatever. Tua has exceeded expectations more, and I'm A.J. Hoffman, though I'm imitating A.J., and I believe it. I do believe it. I'm putting my name on it. Tua has exceeded expectations more than any quarterback in the league this year. Okay. I'm not sure I agree. So let's take our last break. And when we come back, I am going to, let's be candid, drill you about that take. Let me tell you, damn guys ain't dumb. Maybe get a pistol on your little finger. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm joined by AJ Hoffman. And we're talking about his sizzling hot take. Almost like it's July on the barbecue. And the fat granules, oh, they're just bursting inside that steak. But, AJ, is it going to be a good dish or not? I tend to think you're a little hot with this take. And it's that Tua, the quarterback for the Dolphins, has exceeded expectations more than any other quarterback on the face of the earth. Is that fair? That is fair. For this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the history of the world. No, no. Okay. That that would be hot. That would be hot. I mean, I think John the Baptist had, I mean, <laughs> I remember in BC7. Oh, what a year. Okay. <laughs> I'm RJ Pelfort straight out of Vegas. Let me bring up two names that possibly could contradict your point. One, Jalen Hurts. A guy that's leading his team. He isn't along for the ride. He's leading his team to the playoffs right now. He's running the ball better than Lamar has this year. Where do you compare? How do you make Tua exceeding expectations more than Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts was the other guy I had in the conversation oh, when, I, when I came up with it. So you're mitigating but, right away. 
But no, I'm not mitigating. I'm going to stand by, and I do agree that he he is doing more to carry a team. But I think two is doing the job that he's been asked to do better than Jalen Hurts is, and he's a better fit right now for the Dolphins than Jalen Hurts is for the Eagles. So I, I think, and they were projected about the same coming well, into the season. Nobody thought Hold much on of either. Hold on, Jalen Hurts is the perfect fit. How many other teams could Jalen Hurts run this offense with? You have to have a dominant front. You got to have the will to, to to muscle and punch the other team in the mouth. I think there's a handful of teams that could have Jalen Hurts be this effective. A, a, a Andy Dalton, light game manager. Any team can use him. Oh, I think that's a that's. A, that's I mean, maybe not selling as too a short. I mean, every crappy team runs a variation of let's protect the quarterback because our quarterback's no good. I mean, what's the the Bears are doing the same thing, right? I mean, what I'm oh, saying is Tua's doing better than Fields. Tua has less downside or upside. Tua has less upside than Fields. But, uh, listen, I, the thing about Tua that bothers me is I don't think – and I want you to think about the point I'm making here. This isn't the case that it's a straight line from incompetence – we'll call that the Trevor Lawrence line – incompetence – to competence, to elite. It's not a straight line. It's on two different planes. One plane is you're not really throwing the ball downfield. You're not throwing in obvious passing situations. Can you quarterback from play action and still be a competent quarterback? That's a line that a lot of guys don't pass, that aren't able to achieve. Trevor Lawrence has not achieved it this year. Zach Wilson has not achieved it this year. We'll see. Uh, Baker Mayfield really hasn't this year, but he has in the past. But once you get to that end point, and Andy Dalton probably was the best example of that, super efficient at that in his prime. But then to be the guy that on third and 12 can throw and you're scared, that's a whole other plan. And my point is Tua might be approaching the Andy Dalton level of game manager, But I don't see any indication that he has the physical tools to even play on that other plane, to even start thinking about that other plane. Your boy, Jay, you know, your boy Herbert certainly does. Burrow does. But do you, can you see that Tua on this line he's on reach that plane where it's third and 12 and you're scared because Tua's on the other side? Certainly not. So, in a way, the best two is ever going to be is Andy Dalton. I think that's possible, but I mean, coming into the season, did you think he would even be a, a, a serviceable game manager? Most people thought he was a backup quarterback already. We're already writing him off. No, you're, hey, listen, you just made a good point. In a way, both our points are really strong. You're saying the, 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 the distance that's been traveled by Tua is noteworthy and unexpected. And thus, we got to acknowledge it. But I think my point stands, it doesn't really matter. The Dolphins can never win a Super Bowl with this level quarterback, and I'm not sure he has a path past this level, very very much past it. And if I'm right, we're both right. It's as impressive, but ultimately for not. We'll see. Stay tuned. I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. We got two quick one-minute recaps of college football Oh, not recaps, previews. Tonight, ESPN, 10-15, Minnesota, West Virginia. Minnesota favored by 5.5.
Yeah, West Virginia doesn't have Letty Brown. He is their offense. I don't know how they're going to run the ball. Minnesota's already ninth in yards per game allowed on the ground. And without him, I don't see how they can move the football. Uh, West Virginia, historically, their identity has been So you, who do you like run. here? I, I, like, I like Minnesota minus the five and a half here. Is this a like or a lean? This is a like. All right, Minnesota's a like. we got one more game. AutoZone has the free services you need to help you get back on the road. Like their free AutoZone Fix Finder service. Watch over 5,600 or with over 5,600 locations nationwide. AutoZone is here to help you save time and money with their free services. Getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Tomorrow, early, Maryland favored by three and a half versus Virginia Tech. Yeah, I'm going to lean to Maryland here, mostly because I don't want to play on Maryland, but Virginia Tech is a shell of what they put out there this year. Their quarterback tonight is going to be a former backup H-back at Texas A&M because their top two quarterbacks are both out. Their starting two wide receivers are out. There's just not anything going for this Virginia Tech team. I don't feel good about laying my money on them, but I also don't want to bet on Maryland, who's been a disappointment all season long. 20 seconds or so. COVID, how much is it affecting teams? Obviously, players are being absent or absent how much is it affecting their motivation i think that the guys that can play are just excited to be able to be on the field they're excited that their games aren't being canceled like some of these like the ucla north carolina state game tonight okay that's aj hoffman we'll be back tomorrow and we're going to do something special we're going to be drafting all the nfl teams in a snake draft so he gets first i get second however it goes first gets next two we've never done it that's tomorrow 